Disclaimer. This episode focuses on depression and mental health, and some of the language used is of a sensitive nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, just a really quick look back at the results and upcoming fixtures for March before we get into Chris's mental health awareness show. February 9th, the first team's game against Frampton Cottrell was abandoned. We don't have any info on that, so we're just going to completely move on. Then on the 16th, they beat Gloucester Old Boys 60 points to nil. Tomorrow, they host Gordon League. The 9th, they're travelling down to Hucklecote. And on the 23rd, they host Long Levens. The seconds beat Gordon League 41-12 on February 16th. And tomorrow, they travel down to Old Pats 3rds. On the 9th, they host Hucklecote seconds, and then on the 23rd, they travel down to Drybrook thirds. The inner 12 started off really well with a home win against Old Pats. They beat them 14 tries to nil. Then a couple of weeks later, they played away at Long Levens. They actually won this game 8 tries to 3. They were supposed to play Cheltenham North away, but unfortunately that was that was cancelled. On to the under 16s. They are originally meant to be playing Tigers at home, but that was postponed, I think due to too many players away with, with, with the county. We played Worcester away. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about it. We lost 25-22. On to the following week, we played Droitwich. Unfortunately, we lost again 17 points to 36. Apparently, it was a, it was a, it was a hard-fought game. On the 27th of Feb, we had five boys turning out for Gloucester under-16s against the Boys Club of Wales, which, unfortunately, they, they lost as well, 19 points to 26. Right, the youth preview for March... Um, on the 10th, the under-12s go to, to Drybrook for a County Cup festival. And the 17th and the 24th, it's uh, to be confirmed whether we have fixtures for them. Um, we'll, we'll let you know if, if there are fixtures. On the 31st, the Cubs are going to go gonna go over to Spartans for a, a game against them. OK, on to then the 16s. The first game was meant to be away against Widden, but with eight boys involved with the county. That's going to make it a bit difficult to, to, to field a side, I think. So we've had to postpone that, unfortunately. The following week, we've got two boys away with the, the Welsh Exiles. So congratulations to them. Then the week after that, we got a home match against Old Pats. Now, we've never played them, and we know that they're pretty, pretty good. So hopefully that game goes ahead, and we can give a, a good account of ourselves, and, and let's hope we can we can get a result. Then the following week, we were at home to Lydney. It's always a good game. Should be the same again. And then fin- finishing up the m- month of March with an away fixture against Shipston. Again, they're always a tough opponent, so let's see what we can do against them. Well, that's all the updates from me then, so enjoy the show. This is the UTS Podcast, an independent podcast following Cheltenham Saracens RFC and grassroots rugby in Cheltenham. Hi guys, um, it's Chris here. Um, slightly different voice to starting off the podcast than what you're probably used to. Um, this is a, a special podcast that we've decided to bring together. So for those that don't know me, I'm Chris Davis. I was uh, a guest on the podcast back in the summer. I had a real enjoyable, fun time, but I'm here now to talk about a much more serious subject in depression and masculinity within rugby. I think Dan alluded last time I was here, he alluded to a book that I am working on for part of my course. Uh, That book uh, has gone through many titles, but it's going to be dealing with depression, masculinity. It follows um, uh, a young man in his his mid-twenties who plays rugby up north. 
just a normal life, but outside he struggles massively with depression um, and doesn't talk about it. And uh, as far as the book goes, one of his friends also suffers that doesn't talk about it as well, leads to suicide. Um, and from there, the character's uh, spiral goes down. So I thought, um, and we thought it'd be a good idea for me to come on here and talk about a subject that is um, it's very sensitive and very, very close to my heart um, and something that more and more people are starting to talk about and we want to raise a bit more awareness of, uh, of depression in rugby. So um, I play, I'm a utility player at Saracens. Um, I play around the park and it's the same with... Uh, with Cheltenham Phoenix. Um, I was diagnosed with depression about uh, nine years ago, I think it was now. That's it officially on the uh, medical record. That's when I had it, but it's been there for longer than that. Um, and I, I still suffer now. The main thing that I want to talk about today is talking about it. Um, nine years is a long time to suffer with with something especially something that's uh, in your head now when um when i first put up on our group chat with the saracens that i was writing this book and that i had issues that uh, i wanted to get down on paper and if anybody wanted to talk to me about issues they might have um i had a phenomenal response actually a great response uh people messaged me privately they took me aside at the club and said either i'm here if you want to talk um i've got things that i can tell you um and even people who said i don't even understand it myself but if you ever just want a shoulder to uh, a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen to um then you can come to me and uh, i think that's just showing what rugby is doing for a cause that is really, really worthwhile. We as rugby players, we're, we're sort of sanctioned into this uh, idea that we're all big blokes. Um, most of us are anyway. Rugby is a very masculine sport. I don't think there's any two ways around it. I myself would consider myself quite a masculine man. Um, 200 pounds i go to the gym i like beer as my drink of choice and i play two very very masculine contact sports that are not exactly soft i mean i was out injured for a bit first came back i broke my nose it's uh definitely a sport that takes um it takes a lot of rough and tumble um and takes a lot out of you. So when people look at rugby players, they think that they're we're all just big, hard blokes, and that's just sort of a shell that some of us have. And inside and in our minds, it's not always the case. So with our team, I would say there's however many people we've got on the books, 40 50 players, old boys, whatever it is. And up until recently, I think I've been with the club now for three and a half years. That's sort of to the point where it's got now where we're finally talking openly 
about depression and about the issues that we each have and i think that's it's it's a little sad that it's taken that long but it's in all of our heads that we're thinking i i'm i'm a bloke and i'm a big hard bloke and i shouldn't be crying myself to sleep every night or uh, every other night or whatever it is or going home and feeling lonely i think now that we're now that i've stepped forward and said yes i have all these issues and these problems and this loneliness that i've got now we're starting to talk and more and more people are saying to me chris i i, I feel similar i've feel like i'm alone i feel like i'm sad i feel i can't get up in the morning i've got no motivation and and it's good that we're finally talking about this because it's a lot better it's a lot easier to beat if we talk about it i think that being part of this environment with rugby is while on the outside it looks like we're blokey blokes we're hard blokes we're morons that drink too much we play these stupid games we give banter uh, which is something i want to come back to in a moment um what we are first and foremost is we're a team and we're a family i've played now for three and a half years there's no way i would see myself playing for any other club within cheltenham um because i feel like i am part of this family with saracens now which is why i felt so open to be able to put on the group chat i'm writing this book anyone wants to come towards me um and that i'm having these these issues and i was putting it a lot more publicly for for people to see uh, i mentioned banter a second ago there is a, a lot of banter within rugby um we we tear each other to shreds sometimes and um i think sometimes with people outside looking in um there's a term thrown around that i'm not a massive fan of uh called toxic masculinity and it's a term that i don't think completely helps i don't think it's a well thought of term i see what it's been trying to say and it's trying to say things like this sort of banter that we have at rugby clubs is detrimental i think to an extent it can be right but i like the banter i feel that there there is a line between banter and bullying and i certainly look at saracens and don't think there is any bullying going on at all within the club i think that would have been brought up um with the committee and that sort of thing i think that the banter we have together is we know we know what people are sensitive about we know what people can take as a joke and then that's what we run with um and it it keeps us as friends i would feel that if i wasn't getting any banter from the the club if no one was making jokes about that i'm old or that i'm fat or that i'm northern um then i'd feel oh why 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 is no one making fun of me why is no one making jokes with me and that sort of banter helps i believe um i think if it was bullying 
I would say, you know, and you could see that someone was uh, was struggling with the jokes you'd make and you wouldn't go there. I think there's there's certain aspects of me that I think people could make fun of but don't because I'm probably more sensitive to certain things that I'm obviously not going to bring up on the uh, can I, Yeah, can I just come in, come in there? Um, with regards to, to, like you say, the, the banter and the bullying, mm-hmm. I think um, there's enough of the guys there that, that realise what is banter and mm-hmm. there is, like you say, there is, there is a line and um, I think if anyone did cross that line, I think there'd be enough of the guys there to to take that person to one side or, or, or to, to sort it out, to make you know, to make them aware that now nah, what you're doing there isn't right. Completely, yeah. Um, like I said, I, th- I we're we're all a family. Yeah. And I think it'd be exactly the same if if someone's father was bullying a son, a child, a mother, whatever. There's other members of the family. There's people that would say and take them aside, and I think it's exactly the same in rugby. Um, we'd spot that okay you're going too far there and then we we turn it back in yeah you know Um, and if people don't like it then yeah then it's less like I said I enjoy it I think it makes me feel part of the part of the group part of the family and um, it it sort of it helps in a way it's it's, it's weird because it is ripping each other to (laughs) to shred sometimes you know and, and through I mean I'm lucky enough not not to to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I know of, anyway. You know, we, obviously we've all we've all been sad. But, yeah. But there's sad, and then there's you know depression. Um, when you're sort of when you, when you've been sort of down, and you you read these um, these comments that they put on Facebook or, or Snapchat or whatever it is mm-hmm. that, uh, that that to somebody else might they might think oh crikey that's a bit a bit harsh that. Yeah, you look at it and you think, and it makes you smile. Yeah, because you know, like you say, they're oh, they're calling me a, a fat northern git. Yeah, or, or well, you know, words that are probably yeah. worse than that. But you probably look at it, and I'd like to think, nah, <laughs> they're right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, I think um, if I'd have when I joined the club, it started within a week. Then I'd probably be a bit more, um, well, what's going on here? But it's sort of as we grew as friendship and. Um, and that sort of thing, and as we grew closer, it's sort of the the male way. Um, some people do look at it and think that that's what's quite toxic, but I, I certainly don't think so. I think it's it's part of the camaraderie of of this group of friends. Yeah. Um, and certainly within rugby clubs, like you said, they take them aside. You know, if it's bullying elsewhere, it's different. But we're talking about what it's like within rugby. Yeah. And you're right, yeah, the, the the family element is take them aside and say, look, Chris can't, Chris is not comfortable with those jokes. Okay, that's not those jokes, that's fine. Um, yeah. Which which was sort of, um, it, it came to, to pass not too long ago, actually, there was a, a joke going around that I was a goth because um, I wear a leather jacket and <laughs> quite dark clothes. And Can't uh, imagine what they must say about me then. <laughs> Um, so I, I ran with this because I know obviously I'm, I, I don't fall into that subculture and it is just a joke. Um, but it was brought up that maybe I was feeling quite sensitive about it and that it could be con- constituted as bullying. But I said, no, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. You can continue making making those jokes, which 
also brings me to believe that people are looking out for me and that people are looking out and thinking, okay, maybe he's not. It just took me saying, no, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. That then, so it, it was kind of best of both worlds with that, really. Um, it was quite really nice. So I was actually quite touched that that person thought that maybe it was becoming too much. And that was uh, that was really nice, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that there's, there's going to be more than one person or a couple of people looking out for, yeah. for each and every one of us. Um, but obviously maybe only one or two that have the balls to actually say, come on, lads. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think some of the things that I want to talk about as well, um, uh, certain misconceptions I think we need to sort of bring up about uh, depression. Um, I think over the past sort of 10 years, so while I would say I've been um, depressed, the stigma around depression has changed slightly. Um, nobody says, or they haven't to me anyway, I think it's still out there, um, the whole just cheer up thing. Um, I think there are still some people that don't quite understand um, that that's not what depression is. Yes, I'm, I'm sad quite a lot of the time, um, but there, there are other aspects. Um, I do. I used to think it was laziness and not getting out in the bed in the morning, um, but I actually struggle sometimes to have the motivation to get up. Uh, I love going to training. I love going to the gym, and I love writing. And all three of those things, I struggle to get up to do, even though they're three things that make me really, really happy. Um. So the, the stigma of just cheer up is just one of those things that some people still, unfortunately, see. Um, and there's there's also you know, going along those lines, that people say, "Oh, flipping it, you know, what have you got to be depressed about?" Yeah. But, you know, you've got a good job, you've got good friends around you, you got you got this, you got that. What, what you know? Yeah, that definitely. Um, and. Another problem with that is that people who are depressed also think that. And so when somebody else says it, it's it sort of almost, ha it's hammering home um, a falsity because it, it's not true. Um, yeah, I'll, my causation of depression usually does come through sort of, it's either just there or it tends to be around women. Um, and my own personal life and I think to myself why am I being so depressed over something that shouldn't really be that sad people have been through worse people have been through less and it, it it's just the way sometimes your brain is and the way that your your mind is working and yes if someone says to you what have you got to be depressed about I'm already thinking that and it just it just sort of starts to turn a, a, a screw that it just certainly makes it worse. I'd imagine it does, yeah. Because then I'm now being depressed for being depressed, yeah. Which makes me even less motivated to get out of bed in the morning or to do anything. Um. Yeah, that's one of the uh, one of the stigmas that um, I think needs to be to be drilled out. Um. Another one that I'm not a fan of is um, loneliness. 
I think understanding loneliness um, for those that might not feel as lonely. There's a common misconception going around loneliness that if someone is lonely, they're not. <clears throat> if someone is lonely, they're not comfortable with themselves and comfortable being alone with themselves. And to an extent, that might be true. But I know from my own personal experience, it's not completely true. And again, when people say you need to be comfortable with yourself before, you know, being around other people, again, it hammers home a falsity that um, you are not comfortable with yourself. Because there's, um, there's a massive difference between being lonely and being alone, isn't there? Exactly. Exactly. A massive difference. I mean, I've lived alone or over the years, goodness knows how many years collectively, um, and when I'm single, I actually prefer living alone. I like my own space. Doesn't mean that at nights I'm sat at home watching TV, reading a book, thinking, "Damn, I'm lonely." You know, and it's not—it's not that I'm craving to be with someone else, or I can't handle being by myself. I like being by myself. I like coming home and doing this, that, the next thing. It's just having someone there to be around or to share how comfortable you are with yourself yeah i mean one of the things is you can still be lonely with somebody else or with other people yeah definitely um you can be if we we we, we come back around to rugby you can feel completely alone when that clubhouse is packed out and feel that no one in there actually understands anything that you're feeling inside that you're thinking no one in here understands anything I'm going to go home and at some point in the night I'm going to go home and be completely alone and you'll start to then sort of cave in on yourself and you feel like <laughs> You feel like you can't talk to people, even though there's plenty of your best mates stood around. You feel like you can't tell them you, you either feel embarrassed. I was going to say, is, it, is that sometimes embarrassment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it does come back to this sort of machismo that we're, we're big, big hard rugby blokes, you know, a big hard northerner, and yet sometimes can't even tell all my best friends that, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling suicidal, I'm feeling this, that, or the next thing. Um, but I think I think the main thing that I want to get across from this is that it's okay to feel that way. I think one of, my, one of the phrases that I'm actually quite happy with that sort of has come out about mental health at the moment is it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I think that's that's a great phrase because it, it inadvertently makes you feel better already because you think when you're depressed like I said excuse me sometimes you get depressed for being depressed and you're stuck in a vicious cycle and a spiral and you're going down 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 and then if we say it's okay to not be okay you think oh I'm really I feel like shit I feel it's okay because that's it's normal, yeah. And I, it's all right to feel that way. Already, 
you're feeling a little bit better. I mean, it's not going to cure it overnight, but it's still at least a little bit of positivity. And sometimes all it needs is a little bit of pos positivity to bring you out of of a spiral. But that's, that's the thing as well that you said then, you know, it won't happen overnight. There is no quick fix, is there? No. Unfortunately not. Um, I, I look at my the past 10 years um, when I first got diagnosed I was in third year of uni um, went to the doctor I think the final, the reason I finally went was because I realised that there wasn't really a causation for me to feel like this did did you feel it was probably because it obviously telling the uni do you think it was stress? I don't think so, because um, the course I was on was a very practical course. Um, I was doing film production, and I had one deadline to meet. So I don't think that was that was getting a hold of me. Um, I had a bit of a... I had a relationship that was... Well, it was abusive at the end of the day. I mean, it wasn't to the extent that it was um, uh, abusive, like um, she was constantly beating me or anything like that. Um, however, I think I let her get inside my head. Um, she was physically abusive at times. I have a scar on my face that I'm quite comfortable telling people about, that that's there from a, a glass being thrown at me. Um, I think, yeah, that was the first proper big relationship for me and I let myself become controlled physically abused it was um, uh, I think it sort of maybe hit a hammer on the head that after that ended about a year before I went to the doctor um, I realised that yeah, I'm, I'm not okay and that I need to do something about this or else I could end up, I could end up anywhere, really, um, which I have done at times. Um, I've tried a couple of different antidepressants. Um, there are medical things you can you can look at doing um, if people are feeling depressed and they feel they want to do something. Um, I spoke to the doctor. I've tried a couple of different ones, and I found the the drug <laughs> that works best for me um, everyone's body's different everyone reacts differently to, to different things um, because anxiety is not as massive with me I still I do suffer with anxiety it comes with depression um, people who feel they're more anxious than they are depressed there are uh, different drugs that they they can take to, to help that um I think I'm going to completely open up as much as possible here um, just because I think it's really, really important and I feel that if I open up as much as I can today, um, people will start to then want to open up. Um, like I said, I think talking is the big thing. Um, I've gone through times where I haven't talked and it's led to some pretty dangerous situations. So if we start going a bit deeper now and we start talking about things such as uh, self-harm and self-abuse, 
Um, I don't physically self-harm myself. So there aren't any scars on my body there. Some people will. Some people will take a, a razor blade down their arms or down their legs. You'll, you might see scars on people. It's because they they feel that they can't deal with the emotional pain. They want to deal with the physical pain more. And it's, it's um, a distraction technique that they're distracting themselves with physical pain takes it away they can deal with that better and it's because they're not talking they're not seeking out it doesn't have to be you don't have to go to a, a counselor you don't have to go to a psychiatrist or anything like that it can be your best mate it can be your mum your dad your sister your next door neighbor your dog that just wants to hear your voice um anyway it can be a piece of paper it can be you sitting down and writing it down. That's part of why I write. It's quite cathartic for me. Um, for me, my self-harm, I, I, I ruin relationships that are either friendships, relationships, that sort of thing, um, because I feel that I'm not worthy of having these people in my life or... Uh, knowing these people, it comes back to being maybe a little bit embarrassed about um, uh, the depression. And again, it's because I've not spoke about it. If I've let things build up inside, I'll then harm myself by ruining these relationships and that'll then make me feel even shitter. Um, and that spiral will will spiral down. Um I was on, I've been on antidepressants now for on and off for nine years. I wasn't on them when I was with my ex-partner, um, which was probably a mistake. Uh, that's me covering things up and not talking about it and putting a false happiness over the top. Um, when I was in Canada, I attempted suicide and this was again because I wasn't talking to anyone um, I'd been out there for however many months so the friends that I had out there while some of them are really good friends of course they are um, I hadn't known them as long so maybe I felt like I couldn't talk to them as much um, events transpired that I didn't deal with very well and I overdosed on the antidepressants that I was taking at the time. Um, I drank heavily that night as well, which is um, something else I can come to. And woke up with my body rejecting absolutely everything that I'd put into it. And spent hours throwing up everything that was in there and then continually throwing it up. Um, rejecting any help from anyone, refusing to go to the hospital, um, again, out of embarrassment. You know, I didn't want these Canadian doctors to be pumping my stomach and, and feeling like an idiot because I've done this to myself. Uh, and when I came back from Canada, I, I started to sort myself out again. Um... I mentioned alcohol with rugby 
uh, drinking is quite a big part of our culture, I think. I don't think there's any, any two ways about it. I don't think there's any rugby players listening that are going to uh, complain about me saying that. Um, again, people on the outside might feel that there's a bit of peer pressure in drinking um, with not the games, but uh, maybe the the mans of the matches and this sort of thing and, and birthday ironically me at the weekend um giving birthday drinks to people um the thing with alcohol is it, it it's um it's a mask that makes you feel better for a little bit of time um i've drank quite heavily i've said many times i'm going to stop drinking and then the next weekend i'm getting drunk again and um it's not i don't think it's an alcohol problem i'm not reliant on alcohol but it's a bit of an escape when i'm drunk it's it's i'm i'm not depressed when i'm drunk but i'm depressed when i'm hung over and so the next day it's yeah, not drinking again ever again. I, th- I think that's that's um, there's a lot of people out there that that do that, they they, they drink to, to mask things completely, completely. Um, drugs as well. Um, I think both alcohol and drugs will be taken to yeah, mask their feelings when you're drunk, your feeling is euphoria usually um usually in quite a good place alcohol is a depressant so once that serotonin level returns to where it where it was um you feel even worse um and if you're not dealing with if you're not dealing with your your problems properly that's when it can become very dangerous with alcohol and i'm not saying i don't think you should quit alcohol or anything if you're feeling depressed um but just don't become reliant on it um don't use it as a crutch because if you use it as a crutch suddenly then you lose your legs and then you've got to use that crutch for the rest of your life Mm. and that's a place you don't want to be in and it's scary to think that a mental illness can put you in that that sort of situation yeah I spoke a lot there. <laughs> no, 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 that's what we wanted. We, uh, yeah. we wanted you to, to speak. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> we asked you on because because of your yeah. of, of what you, you you know you spoke about um, there. You spoke with us you know, very very briefly before, um, and we wanted this to, to be a message to to the whole rugby community, the whole well, the whole world, effectively. Yeah, that you know, especially that. Like you say, it's okay to talk. Yeah. Get people talking. That's what it is. It's it's talk. And the, you look at the stats. Um, I meant to bring some stats with me. I think it's 84, I think it's a week, I think, of men commit suicide. And suicide is the biggest killer of men, I think, 18 to 30, or maybe even older than that. And it's because we as men don't talk we, we mask our feelings you look at all the films that are aimed at women they're all emotional films yeah you look at films that are aimed at men it's the expendables 
and yeah explosions car chases that sort of thing you know let's let's fighting and yeah yeah let's let let's numb it all down men can't have emotions and so we feel no we're not allowed emotions or what are these emotions are i can't deal with them no i can't tell my friend he's 250 pound bodybuilder i can't talk to him about it you never know what anybody else is feeling no that and that's that's the thing isn't it they they, they call it like a, a silent killer don't they that is, yes that, yeah I, I work in the construction industry and we've got posters all over the place um ad, you know advertising um uh awareness of of, of guys and, and girls with you know with, mm -hmm. with um with these sort of problems yeah um because like you say usually they 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 can they can be sort of smiley and happy on the outside yes but nobody knows what's going on inside yeah robin williams syndrome is what i've called it that was yeah that was that was um well <laughs> tragic absolutely yeah, tragic. one of my favorite actors and such a great comedian as well yeah exactly apps that that's another thing especially with with people such as myself um people that know me will know me as being laughy, jokey, crude. Mm. Um, I make jokes about pretty much anything. I'm not easily offended. Um, I'm silly. I'm energetic. Um, I'm quite physical with my humour. Um, I like to have a laugh. But what people don't see is when I'm in my bedroom in tears because I'm struggling to bring my emotions into check. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to to admit that. I think um, I think the main message we need to get across is talk because the moment I put that message on the group chat, I was absolutely overwhelmed by... By the response and the people who responded as well, um, I'm going to tell this story because I'm, I'm um, how overwhelmed I was once was a couple of weeks ago we had our Burnham trip um, down to the <laughs> semi-finals, right. um, which for those that were on it will remember how um, crazy it was. Um, for those that weren't, it was just a, a piss up, wasn't it really? It was I tall. don't know if I can personally comment. <laughs> so the the game what didn't go our way. We still had a great time. We all came back. I don't think there was a sober person within sight apart from the bus driver. Um, and I remember being back at the clubhouse, and one particular person came and said um, a response was, "You know, I you can talk to me." Basically. Um, making me feel really good about myself how nice a guy I am and all this and don't like seeing me that way so if I need to talk I can talk and I had to disappear for 20 minutes because I had a cry on the back of the clubhouse so I had to go downstairs because it just became too much for me and I'm not afraid to admit that um, I couldn't do it in front of people I struggled to actually cry in front of people um, but I just needed I needed 20 minutes to just let that out because of it was a mixture of both yeah I'm, I'm depressed but also look at this family that I've got here mm. 
my my actual family obviously live miles and miles away so the Tsaris family to me is is yeah a second family to me and and it showed just how much people care about you and what they actually think about you and again it was what you're saying about the, the embarrassment of yeah. sort or um what have you got to be depressed about yeah you know i was thinking why are you so depressed when you've got these great friends mm. you know um and so it was it was kind of good tears at, at, the, at the same time um but that's that's the message need to be i would never have got that response if i hadn't have spoken because the amount of people that are always shocked about the fact that i'm depressed um especially when i date for example if i go on a date i'll eventually let the person know that um i suffer they'll go i would never have guessed it because you made your joke you're always smiling yeah. and this sort of things yeah that's it they're never going to know and if if you're suffering it it's it is it is okay it is completely okay to suffer or to feel like you're suffering and to get out of that suffering talk to people because you will be surprised about who will listen and you'll be surprised of who else is feeling that way and you'll be surprised at the response that you get by asking for help and it's not a sign of weakness it's not a sign of weakness at all um I think that's the that that's probably the biggest problem, isn't it? That, yeah. that people see it as weakness. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously we have come a long way. However many years ago, depression would have been in the same sort of um, same sort of grouping as psychosis and psychopathy and all these things that are, are really you know make you a psychopath. You're not a psychopath. You're not. That there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. That's what I think is, is is people think there is something really wrong with you, and it's not. It's okay. It's okay. You're not. You're not a weak person at all. I mean, like, I, I, my style of playing rugby is very, very direct. I, I run straight. You know, me and me and other players will have competitions who can bump the most amount of players. So I would say I'm quite a strong person. And that's why I've had to uh, tell myself over the years to get to this point where I'm at right now to think that I, I'm not a weak person and that just because I'm depressed and just because I get sad and just because I do need to cry now and then, I'm not weak. And I'll tell you right now, if you are suffering, you are not weak because you're still here. Yeah. Because you're, if you're fighting it, then you're not weak. And even if you feel suicidal, you're still not weak because it, it takes a lot to try and kill yourself anyway. So it, it, use that strength that you're thinking about killing yourself and thinking, I want to slice my wrists, I want to hang myself, I want to overdose i want to do this that or the next thing to end my life that takes a lot to do turn that strength around and use it to pull yourself out and ask people to help you 
because if you're pulling out of a hole, it's a hell of a lot easier if somebody else is grabbing you around the armpits and pulling with you. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's that's the most important message that you need to know, is that you're a strong person and that everyone around will think the same and they'll think you're even stronger if you talk to them about it. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Definitely. I don't think I've got much else to say. I mean, I, one thing I was um, I was keen to ask you, um, your book. Yes. The main character. Mm-hmm. Is it based on you? Yes. Even to the extent that he's called Taz. Okay. Which is, for those that don't know, one of my nicknames at rugby. You got the tattoo on you. The tattoo. I think we, yeah, I think we spoke about it in the last podcast. Um, yeah, I wanted to make him personally. He's, he's younger than me, um, and obviously he's physically different. This sort of thing, um, but pretty much he's me. Yeah, um, and I wanted to give him my nickname so that I felt part of it and that. Like I say, it's cathartic for me writing. Yeah, it's, so getting it down, I was have, helping. Have you? Is the book written? Is it finished? Uh, no, it's still still in the first draft stage, but it's making good progress. Um, I'm aiming to have the first draft done in the next couple of months. Um, it's going to form part of my dissertation for my university course as well. Okay. So I am working to a deadline with it. Um, yeah, it's about it's about twenty five percent done at the moment. Um, I'm getting my head down. I'm working quite hard on it. Um, I'll perfect what I need to perfect for the dissertation side of things um, and then look to start looking for representation within uh, within the next six months, hopefully. Okay. Um, because I feel it's a book that needs to get out there. Has it got a name? Uh, at the moment, it's called The Rules of Engagement. Okay. Um, that's a working title and it's changed already about five times. Right. Um, so it may well change again. Um, but the, the reason I'm writing it is not only could be to help myself, it's because there's nothing really out there that is about this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, certainly not from a rugby point of view. Um, I've only got one book that's about rugby. Um, and there's certainly not one that sort of goes into especially uh, male depression um, for the reasons that, that we spoke about. When it came down to actually writing it, at what point did you think, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to do this, you know? I sat down with my dissertation tutor. Um, I had all these ideas in my head about um, other things that I wanted to write about, dark comedies, um, satires. And we sat down for about an hour and uh, my dissertation tutor said to me, we were just, we were just sort of chatting and... He said to me, you talk about rugby a lot. Have you ever written about it? And I said, no. He said, well, why don't you? I said, okay, well, what could what could we do with rugby? And I said, well, I want to write about depression and I want to write about a character who suffers. Um, and the chief said, yeah, I think that's really good. You know, as someone who doesn't play rugby, it'd be good to see about all these big blokes that do have mental health problems um, and then as we started writing it I realised that 
yeah, this needs to get out there. The, my tutor was this, uh, saying the same sort of thing. And um, I think after I wrote the first chapter, um, which was which is at a game, and then the social activities afterwards, um, to the main character going home and being completely alone, I realised, yeah, this this needs to get written. Um, and I would be angry if I put anything else first with my writing if I wrote other things other than other than this. So now the motivation is there that I know it needs to get out there for, for my sake and for others. And using your own kind of experiences and stuff, do you, f you know, is there any pressure with that? And you think maybe should I not include this kind of detail? Is it is it getting almost too about me and I'm kind of exposing too much here? Or are you just like, do you know what? It is what it is. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, I think originally there was sort of, oh, what am I going to include? What am I not going to include? And I think yeah, eventually I did just say, fuck it. I think it just all needs to get down. That's why I've been felt I can be quite open here today. I've I've gotten to that stage where I'm thinking, yeah, fuck it. It's got to get down. And if we if I don't talk about it so openly, other people won't feel they can. Yeah. So if I feel I hold back with the book, people are going to read it and think, well, he's holding back. Like. I should hold back There's certain things yeah. I want. So if I if I just go full throttle and just get it all out there um with with as graphic as it needs to be then hopefully that'll help other people to think right okay I need to I need to do whatever I need to do whatever my cathartic exercises will be writing playing rugby if you're not a rugby player playing football playing darts yeah. Going it's, down, drinking. It is a sport, Dan. It's not a sport. Yes, it is. Let's, I, let's stay on topic. Re recently, I've I've sort of seen it in the in the news or or on so on media and stuff that um, there's been a few high profile rugby players that have admitted that they've suffered with depression. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's one that's there's no more high profile than Johnny Wilkinson. Mm -hmm. He he said that he's had you know episodes I suppose it yeah. is one way of saying it yeah and I think uh, that is really helping um, you look at people like Johnny Wilkinson Johnny Wilkinson is a hero to so many people um, mainly because of the World Cup success um, yeah. so for especially people of my age as well I was in school it was 2003 wasn't it so I was in, I was halfway through high school, which is sort of when depression sort of kicking in. Mm. And um, especially men sort of my age will be looking at Johnny Wilkinson and going, yeah, he's he's a macho bloke. He's a cracking rugby player. <clears throat> he's got a macho name, you know. Yeah. And, oh, he's he's suffering. Oh, I would know, again, I would never have thought it. And, and it, goes, it goes back again, doesn't it, to... What has he got to be? Yeah. You know, why? Why should he be depressed? Yeah, exactly. And if people that aren't depressed want to think that, then okay, I'd rather they kept that sort of opinion to themselves. But people that are depressed, I think, need to look at that and go, "Well, if Johnny Wilkinson can come out and say that I'm depressed, yeah. I can 
come out and say it. I've got nothing to be afraid of. Oh, don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying that I've said that. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people, mm -hmm. like you say, who, who aren't suffering and, and yeah. don't have um, these problems, that a lot of them are probably looking at him. And, and yeah. others, you know, like um, Robin Williams as well. You know, yes. Why are they depressed? You know, they've got, yeah. they're, they're millionaires. They've got this. They've got beautiful girlfriends, wives. You know, yeah. they've got everything they need. Why they did, you know, it's. I think, um, I think it's getting past that stigma of that sometimes there's not actually a reason. Sometimes it no. is just, and in fact, it is a chemical imbalance in your head. Your serotonin levels aren't where they need to be. This isn't there. This, that isn't there. There's, there's different forms of it, obviously. For me, it's mainly depression with a little anxiety for others it's anxiety a little bit of depression there's um bipolar um which is obviously um you, you're going towards a different end of the spectrum there um and some of these things that they, they do just happen that's the thing isn't it is and it's not it there's there's no real rhyme or reason it just no. you know it, it, it could be a trigger it could be you know could be something happens in your life yeah. could be um yeah stress like you say the, the... yeah it, it it's like it's like any other illness yeah it's like any other illness um i mean it, you could compare it to cancer even um there's different severities of cancer and sometimes it does just happen you know it, cancer likes to pick the nicest people usually and you, you think what well, it's like saying they haven't done anything to deserve getting cancer being depressed is is sort of the same we've, we've not really done anything to deserve to to feel this way we've got decent lives i had certainly had a decent upbringing um my family is still together uh, sorry my Parents are still together. Uh, great family life. I was bullied in school, um, which probably had some some thing to do with it along the way. Um, it just it just it picked me. It's saying it's one in four is the the stat at the moment for mental health. And I look at my family, and I've got a mum, a dad, and a sister. So it just picked me. Yeah. What what was it that actually, at what point did you think I need to go and see the doctor here? Um, like you I, mentioned the relationship being abusive, and you you said there was like a year between the two. Yeah, so I thought I'd moved on from that re relationship. Um, I, when we say abusive, it, it sounds like it was really bad. It was it was one glass across the face, um, but I think it got to the point where I was thinking I'm still. I'm 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 sad and I've got no reason to feel sad why am I feeling sad like you know obviously I've uh, um my grandma's died when my grandma passed away obviously there's causation to be sad but yeah. this is this is years later and I'm about to graduate university I've yeah like you said what have I got to be sad about I better go to the doctor and have a chat. 
had a chat and we we spoke about depression and what we could do and then from then on it's yeah been the journey it's been do you find um you know maybe i'm playing devil's advocate i don't really know what my role is in this show i i'm I'm gonna put this out but do you feel like with social media being such a big part of kind of today's life and today's culture and everything else do you do you feel that almost some people kind of self-diagnose for lack of a better phrase i think some people do yeah um i think it's like anything else um Social media has certainly had its um, part to play with depression, um, especially male depression, I think, um, with the idea, ideology of male bodies and this sort of thing, and you've got to look this way and then that way, which obviously, I think obviously has probably um, not helped female depression as well. Um, obviously, I can't speak so much on that side. Um yeah, I think some people do self-diagnose. Um, some people may just be feeling sad. It could be a cry for help. Um, it it could be a combination of all of it. Um, and I think the best way to know if you really are depressed or if you're just feeling down is, again, just talk. Just talk. Go and talk to the doctor go and talk to your friends, talk to someone who's going through depression um, and they can help you and at least point you in the right direction. And if you are feeling depressed, then you can go down the, the right medical routes. Um, so if it if it is just a cry for help, then you've got a bit of help there as well because you've spoken about it. It's just talking. That's all it is. It's just talking. That's what will start everything just talking about it so for those listening who might have concerns or worries or or doubts or you know maybe even questions like for you what was the first big sign you said you you know that you were sad you know quite a lot but was there one real standout feeling where you thought i need i needed to do something about this um, you know what? What? What are the signs to look out for? Basically, is what I'm saying. I took, uh, I took a very long road to get there. For me, it was it was extreme sadness for no reason. Um, there were suicidal thoughts creeping in. Um, you do start to think, would life be better if I wasn't here? Would I be happy if I wasn't here? And obviously, those are very, very dangerous thoughts. And I think that for me it was I'm well, starting to think here in a way that is is isn't healthy. So I need to I need to go and talk to someone. But I think at any point, at any stage where you're thinking I've got questions, I think just go and talk to someone about it. You can't pick up on this sort of thing early enough. Um, again, it might not be. It might not be a mental health problem, but if it is, you know, do something about it as quick as you can. Definitely. Either message a friend, go and see a doctor, visit 
websites you know i know they're not doctors aren't a big fan of self-diagnosing but maybe just um forums that's the word i'm looking for um join a forum and and have a chat with people who are feeling quite similar to you um see what they've done about it and then and then go from there are there any um any maybe websites that you can okay you can say yeah um there's a couple i think um for those that uh, know me on social media um when it was my birthday in September, the social media now you can do this um, fundraising thing. Um, I managed to raise uh, money for Suicide Awareness, um, which are a charity in Cheltenham, um, which I, I've, I've gotten hold of, I've spoken to, um, and hopefully looking at do, doing some work with them as well, uh, especially with the novel. Um, so Suicide Awareness in Cheltenham. Um, as far as rugby goes, there is a great one that's coming out in um, at the moment called State of Mind um, who they're, they're mainly rugby league based um, hence the play on words from State of Mind from State of Origin um, but from what I've spoken to them about and from what I've seen on their websites it's not just about rugby it's just that's that's where their basis is um, they've done a lot of work for ex-players um, I'm currently in contact with them um for help with the novel um but also what they can do for me um i'm looking at hopefully doing a, a telephone interview with um with the main director of uh, those guys so I'm still in early stages with that um but especially for rugby players um this being a rugby podcast um that would be a great go-to website so that's state of mind um absolutely fantastic charity they have a round in the super league as well um which is trying to raise awareness there as well um which is great which is really really good there's there's one that i that i i know of um i'm sure they're still going is it calm calm um sounds familiar to me yeah there's the, so. they they i think they've done a lot of work with with depression and, and uh, mental mental health. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. There's there's plenty of plenty of um, of websites out there, Facebook groups, um, groups that you can go to. Just send them a message as well, because they're they're really inviting and easy to talk to. Um, they're great people. Obviously, the people that work for them, especially people like Suicide Awareness. The the whole point of that charity is to keep you alive. Um, by reminding you of how great life actually is um, so they're more than happy and they're very quick with responding as well and there's uh, and there's, there's the obvious one as well the Samaritans Samaritans as well oh definitely yeah my, um, I think they're quite close to my heart as well actually because of uh, uh, charity work family members used to do for, for them um, so yeah you, you see the adverts there again there uh, just a phone call away just drop them a call and sometimes people find it easier to talk to people they don't know um I, I, it's not that way for me i prefer to talk to people i do know yeah um but sometimes you don't want to talk to your friends you want to talk to someone you've never met before will probably never will meet and if that's the case then then yeah call the samaritans and just unload on them because that's what they're there for even again if you just want to chat exactly yeah you can chat about them about anything they'll just sit there and have a, a talk about the rugby or brexit or anything whatever's on telly yeah. you know 
and that that will just put your mind at ease it'll relax you it'll get you out of your head for a bit which is uh, a place sometimes if you get trapped it's nice just to get away from it it goes back to what we were saying earlier just just talk just talk just talk and you can talk to anyone um anyone that knows me even if you don't know me i'm more than happy to to talk to people that feel like they're struggling if you want to facebook me instagram me whatever i will more than happy to to sit down and have a conversation anything else you wanted to, to say no i think I, i've 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 said everything that i think i want to say um i think yeah the main message is talk um I'm more than happy for people that don't know me to add my social media. Um, so if you find me as Chris Davis, um, if you find me through Cheltenham Saracens, and uh, my Instagram handle is Chris Davis Author. Um, you can see stuff about, I put a lot of stuff up about the work that I'm working on at the moment, um, as well as aspects of my life. And I do put upon things on the story that, short poems that I've written um, that deal with depression um, and obviously now you can message people on, on Instagram I'm more than happy to, to talk to people who are feeling depressed That's great, I mean yeah this this has been a great great listen great great chat It's been, yeah, it's been really good for me to, to sit down and unload and yeah, just talk about things that people don't like to talk about I, just, I mean again, hopefully this this will help at least one other person. I hope so. If it's a, if it helps one person, I mean, um, with my life, I, I think it's taken me a long time to get to this point. I think I've let I've let depression ruin parts of my life. Um, I've let depression take away parts of my life. I've lost relationships. I've lost friendships, and because I've let depression take over me and make me act in a way that isn't me. And I don't want other people to go through that because to lose things because of something that isn't really you is really, really difficult. And I think that if you can sit down and talk to people and unload and just help get your life back on track, then... If I if I can help people do that, then then great. I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I've made over the past decade. Chris, thank you, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. All right then, guys, just a quick word to say, if you've had a listen or two and you've heard what Chris has to say and talked about his experiences and you've listened, you've digested it a little bit and maybe you have some questions of your own, then get in touch with me or Moxie on social media or the UTS podcast on social media or drop us an email on utspodcast.gmail.com or contact Chris himself and we will do a follow-up episode real soon so he can answer any of your questions.